You're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. In this episode, we're going to be taking a look back at our latest TFN Talks webinar session and we'll be having a review of the Prime Minister's Build, Build, Build speech from earlier this week. So TFN Talks, as you hopefully will now know, is our brand new webinar series bringing together each couple of weeks a panel of northern leaders and transport experts to discuss the hot topic of the day. We launched a couple of weeks ago with a discussion around strategic rail, and last week we held our second session. TFN Talks, The Future of Roads, was chaired by our very own Peter Molyneux, Major Roads Director here at Transport for the North, and the panellists were Adam Simmons, Director for Future Road Investment Strategies at Highways England, Emma Antrobus, the Northwest Director of the Institution of Civil Engineers, Paul Booth, who is the chair of the Tees Valley Local Enterprise Partnership, Lucy Hudson, Freight and Logistics Officer here at TFN, and Councillor Keith Little, who's the Cabinet Member for Highways and Transport at Cumbria County Council and a TFN board member. One of the hot topics under discussion was decarbonisation and climate change, obviously a key issue uh, for roads and road users and something that Transport for the North is looking at very closely in our pathway to uh, 2050 decarbonisation programme and working very closely with our partners, with those in industry and with government to look at how our road network can become truly sustainable uh, for generations to come. So under this area of the discussion, you'll hear from Councillor Keith Little uh, talking about the impact rurally, so particularly how road-based transport can become adaptable for those carrying um, bikes, such as on boats and buses in the uh, in the rural areas of, uh, of leisure travel. Adam Simmons from HE talking about biodiversity and how they can actually use the soft land uh, around road schemes to do things like reduce noise pollution. Um, and again, Keith Little talking about things like the impact of climate change and flooding uh, to help make roads more resilient. Uh, Cumbria um, is a unique county up on the northwest, borders onto Scotland. We have the Solway Firth along our uh, uh, western approach and off through the Lake District, very popular um, now with visitors and uh, adjoining Yorkshire, uh, Northumbria, and of course, Southwest Scotland and down into Lancashire. The vast majority of our 4,900 uh, miles of highway, we are the fourth largest highways authority uh, in England. Uh, and uh, we are primarily rural with only one city uh, and half a dozen major towns. Uh, in particular, we recognise the response to the climate change in front of us. And uh, as I say, we've worked closely with DFT over the last five years since Storm Desmond. Uh, we now include uh, in this some new bridge, bridge inspections with a new vehicle that was sponsored by um, the department, a bridge cat that's just been over into uh, out of the country on some demonstrations. And we've developed flood alert systems on all of our 1,600 bridges so that we can predict flooding uh, and uh, have them inspected during flood situations. Now, of course, uh, as you'll have probably heard us say here at TFN quite a lot, that roads are super important, not only for passenger vehicles, but also for freight as well and getting goods around the country. And with Lucy Hudson, our freight officer on the panel, there was some hot discussions about how 
freight on the roads, but also on the rail um, can be part of a, a sustainable and reliable transport network. So you'll hear from some of our panellists here about the freight impact of, of road use um, and particularly on east-west strategic links, which are particularly important here in the north to link our ports on one side of the region and the other. So I've been asked to talk about, about a little bit of an introduction about what, what we move in the north and how much. I'm going to talk a bit about COVID-19 and the response and then a bit about decarbonisation. So um, in the north of England, about 90% of what we actually lift, the tons lifted, are by road. Um, and 80% of that 90% is a sh sort of shorter journeys, which are called short haul journeys, which are difficult to uh, A, convert to rail and, and, and to see the freight being moved. So it's very, so to transfer some, all of our road activity onto rail is incredibly difficult, but I will come back to that. Um, and so in terms of COVID-19, um, really pleased to see that our freight drivers are recognised as key workers. They delivered food, medicine, supplies, including new role to people. Um, without these roads and without roads and the freight drivers on the roads, um, the, our supermarket shelves would have remained empty. And that would have been a very big challenge. As it was, there was empty shelves for a time, but the industry responded and the supermarkets um, responding to that need quite quickly. They were able to do that because the supply chain um, was able to react and then move products from distribution centres across that, that store uh, food and supplies, they're able to move that supply into the supermarkets. And, they, and what we were seeing was sort of Christmas levels of demand. Um, so they knew they could do it, they just had to plan very quickly to respond to that. To, do, to then feed the products back into those distribution centres, um, Manufacturers slimmed down the product lines and production lines, and then they focused on distributing what people were buying. Um, in terms of resourcing this, Tesco's went from 600,000 home deliveries to 1.3 million home deliveries within a blink of an eye. They had to, they um, brought 12,000 more people in to pick and pack, and that generated, that also then meant they had to employ 4,000 more drivers. And that was a massive undertaking, but, it meant that there was more people on the roads and the fact that people um, in their private cars weren't on the roads as much because we were all in lockdown, it meant the um, infrastructure was able to cope with that, that influx and then people were able to move goods and materials more quickly. In terms of economic recovery, why would you invest in, in roads? When you think about when you road upgrades, highways maintenance and renewals activity, and um, technology updates and um, things like electric vehicle charging points, um, it all makes journeys more effective. And with, throughout this crisis, we've realized how important roads are. Um, if, you, if you make um, journeys more reliable, you can start reducing journey times. Um, having less congestion means you can make more deliveries and then keep people safe as well. Um, in terms of freight, when um, I've, I've spoken to people in the haulage industry, you could, they could, in the past, get from Birmingham to Liverpool, then back, and then do another quick journey to Doncaster, all in one day. And that was, that was typical. But as the roads became more congested, then those journeys became um, more complicated, and you could only do your Birmingham to Liverpool run. Now, you know, if we, if we, can, if we can reduce the road usage, but also improve the reliability and access to the roads, and then those kind of responses for the freight industry can come back. 
In terms of decarbonisation, uh, rail can and will work. When you think about um, if you put transfer um, road freight to rail, you get 60% less, 66% less carbon uh, by rail, which is an incredible saving. Uh, it means that you need to have electric lines and all the other things that we discussed, some, some of which we discussed last week. Um, but new flows like Teesport to, to iPort Doncaster, two trains a day, so it means that one engine is doing two journeys there and back, there and back, um, means that rail can work over short distances, which then demonstrates the fact that um, running trains across the Pennines is also um, a real, real possibility for the, for the industry to, to greet. So things like Transpennine route upgrade and including freight in that are really key projects that, um, that Transport for the North want to see. So I think roads are key. At the, right now, roads are really critical. They keep us moving, keep us supplied. Um, and without, without our, freight, our freight drivers who are key workers, we'd be, uh, we'd be a lot less, uh, in a lot less better position than we are now. So sticking with the theme of future technologies and decarbonisation, our panellists also talked about the very latest hydrogen technology and the potential to generate this energy from wind farms. You'll hear from Paul Booth from the Tees Valley at Local Enterprise Partnership on this, about how that energy can actually be, be stored and, and, and filtered around the, the system for use. Adam Simmons also talks about the environmental impact of, of cars and reducing congestion and how that new technologies can actually allow cars to communicate with each other and, and help improve road safety. It occurs to me that, you know, building roads, because I think we do need them, uh, we, can, we need to think about it in, in a different way. So, for instance, we can now make cement from magnesium oxide, you know, through brine, which actually absorbs CO2 and gets stronger. One of the easiest materials to, to make from recycled steel is rebar. So I, I, th I think there's a question there about materials and use of materials and sustainability and recycling materials in building infrastructure, which is all part of the, you know, the same equation that maybe we haven't really given as much focus to, which is just, just a sort of an aside. But um, j just coming on to on the hydrogen, first of all, a um, lot of work's going on on battery technology. And in fact, if you go do, you know, do what I do, spend hours on Google, you'll see that now you can, there are CO2 um, uh, hydrogen-based batteries coming on. So there are all kinds of different technologies which are far lighter and, 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 and powerful that will drive um, you know, dust carts, bus fleets, any vehicles really, including trains. So again, I think there's an important, it's, it's not about, and you know, it's about this or this. I think it's a combination of all of these things. So um, we've been working and are working very hard to produce, we're not, we're not the first, um, a hydrogen network. We've already got a hydrogen network, you know, through the chemical industry, which is where I come from, um, in the Tees Valley and a storage system as well. But then linking that into uh, rail transport so that we, we can basically green um, everything from sort of east of Darlington in the fullness of time. Um, and if I extend that point, I mean, we can imagine, you know, where does the hydrogen come from? Um, it's about linking things again. So I, I'm aware of some of the, the very large developments in offshore wind. Um, we're currently, I'm looking at another 400 megawatt development just off Dogger Bank. But if you look at the, the, the um, 
the, the, the times that these things are offline or power's not being used, you could probably uh, off, one, off one field develop something like 100 kilotons of hydrogen when everybody's in bed sleeping, nobody's using the power and the wind's still blowing. So Shell in Moordijk are already uh, building electrolyzers at 10 megawatts. So what you've got is the ability to harness wind power or solar power uh, and convert that to hydrogen and store it um, for use in vehicles economically. And we're already building in the Tees Valley two, I think we have sanctioned for two hydrogen filling stations. So we're not the first, but certainly we're, we're, we're amongst the first. So, and, and the point about that is that um, that means if we can convert to hydrogen, certainly on the, uh, you know, with, with heavy goods vehicles, uh, and and rail that does an enormous amount all by itself to ease the you know, the carbon problem. And the question somebody might ask is, well, how do you get hydrogen from uh, the Tees Valley to I don't know, Manchester? Well, the answer is actually back to electrolyzers. It, it works both ways. So the system is already there for me. It's called the national grid. You just move the electrons to wherever you need to and convert them to hydrogen at that point. The economics are already pretty good. So in the fullness, so as you go forwards, you see that you can create hydrogen nodes where, where we have you know, uh, uh, power, power stations or, or big terminals that actually gives us the flexibility to do what I've just described. Uh, talking to Adam, you mentioned some of the uh, things that you were looking at in terms of highways England. And one of the questions that we've had is about HG, uh, designated HGV routes um, and uh, through, through High Peak. Um, but also someone's asked, you know, uh, what, what are the opportunities for national uh, road pricing? So could you, um, could, you, could you pick that up as part of your response in terms of climate change? I do think there are things that we can do before we even get close to thinking about road pricing. I do think the sort of technologies that we're able to have on our network now to think about managing speed limits, think about how we, um, you know, use and, and, and make lanes available uh, to, uh, to to vehicles uh, can be can be used. And I, I do expect to see that technologies, more in-car technologies uh, around connected vehicles, will will sort of be a big help there. So I think personally, rather than perhaps seeing more, say, dedicated lanes or so, so on for for HGVs, um, a lot we can do to help. Give the information to, to freight operators and think about how we manage the network as a whole and use emerging te technologies as a whole uh, and certainly and apologies for ducking the question a little bit on road pricing i know very much that is a decision for for government um, but i do think there's a lot that can be done um, to tackle the challenges that you set out before even we get to that point of course, no transport discussion is complete at the moment without thinking about the impact of COVID-19 on our travel behaviour. Councillor Keith Little, very much in a, in a rural area over in Cumbria, talked about the impact that this is having on meetings and how more and more people aren't meeting online, which is reducing the need to travel. Will that continue, though? Who knows? And um, there's also been a huge increase in walking and cycling, again, as people are being discouraged from using public transport, but they don't need to use the car for those shorter journeys, then active travel is becoming more popular. And of course, having those facilities on our road network is going to be increasingly important. So have a listen to some of the thoughts around COVID-19 impact on, on roads and future travel patterns from our panellists. 
we look at the broadband, we've been working with the broadband and the government scheme over the last sort of 15 years, really. Um, it came down pretty much to BT1 provider, but the rurality of Cumbria uh, makes it difficult in very small areas now. And I think there's only we, we're something like 97% of the county now uh, who are on good quality broadband. That still leaves some difficult areas and obviously we have businesses in those areas. Uh, but again, we're working with new technology that's uh, available uh, to try and fulfill that. Certainly through this pandemic uh, situation we found ourselves in, I have not traveled to Carlisle once in the last 16 weeks. Uh, and that's a 60 mile round trip for me. For me, Some of my colleagues, it's a 120 mile round trip for them because they live in the uh, far south of the county. So we have been looking at what the benefits are that have come out of uh, these kind of uh, meetings we're having now. Now, of course, investment in our roads is very much needed. And as I referenced at the start of the podcast, we've had some good news recently on some of the key schemes across the north, including the A66 and the A63, as well as consultation news on the Simister Island scheme. Emma Antrobus, in our discussion, was referencing the need for a secure pipeline of funding, something that TFN has been calling for and we've set out in the Northern Infrastructure Pipeline, which forms part of our Economic Recovery Plan proposals. This is very much needed as a way to start to stop the um, stop-start nature of funding, give certainty and make sure that investment is sustainable um, and, 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 and keeps going over the, over the years so that we know we're building uh, a transport network that's really suitable for generations to come. I think the problem that we've got is that it's always been a little bit stop-start with public money. Um, and, um, you know, obviously there's, there's more pressure on um, local authority budgets um, going forward. Um, and, and this is an issue, I think, for, for the whole of the engineering industry is that um, we like a guaranteed pipeline because otherwise we lose our skilled people um, to other projects, other countries or other industries. Um, and so skills is absolutely critical. Um, I think engineers are renowned for meeting the challenge um, and, um, you know, are creative in the solutions that they come up with. And finally, our panellists also talked about the need for skills and education um, and how uh, the Institution of Civil Engineers is promoting STEM in schools to prepare the future workforce for the, for the digital age of, of transport projects and how they can make sure that we've got those skills that we need so that we can continue with this rolling investment programme for many, many years to come. We carry out extensive STEM engagement in schools and colleges uh, to try and encourage the next generation to choose engineering, to cut the shortfall that we already have, but to solve the problems that we know are coming down the line. We're also, as, a, as an institution, working with the infrastructure client group um, on how we can improve working practice right across the industry so that we can deliver projects more collaboratively from design stage. Um, so delays and cost overruns are minimized. I just thank everyone for their contributions. Um, and I found this a really interesting conversation and I hope others have as well. So, Thank you all and, uh, and stay safe. So thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed listening to some of the highlights from our TFN Talks, the future of road session there.
As I've mentioned, if you want to listen back to the whole webinar, you can do that on the Transport for the North website. Just find the TFN Talks page, listen back, and you'll be able to obviously watch our panellists there as well. It is a video recording. And don't forget to sign up for the next event as well, which is all about Northern growth taking place on the 6th of July. And if you're listening a bit later to this podcast, don't worry. Again, head to that TFN Talks page at transportforthenorth.com and you'll be able to find the recording. Now, the uh, final item for our podcast today uh, is a quick update on the Prime Minister's build, build, build speech that he made earlier this week. Now, in this, he promised to spend billions of pounds to rescue the economy. Um, Part of the levelling up agenda, which uh, we know the government are very, very keen on at the moment. He headed over to uh, to Dudley on Tuesday morning to give this speech and a couple of key elements in that that, that we're going to uh, just take a quick look at today. And in those towns that feel left behind, we have plans to invest in their centres, the new academy schools, new green buses, new broadband, and we want to make them places where people have the confidence to stay, to raise their families, to start businesses, and not to feel that all the action is in the cities or in the metropolis. And yet, I don't think that this crisis has ended the desire or the need to move around swiftly and efficiently. We've all, or many of us, been learning the wonders of Zoom and MS Teams and the pleasure of muting and unmuting our colleagues at key moments. Uh, but we still need to travel. And more than ever, the time has come when we must unite and level up in the most basic way possible, not just with HS2 and Northern Powerhouse Rail, but with better roads, better rail all round, unlocking the central Manchester bottleneck that delays services across the north, 4,000 brand new zero carbon buses, a massive new plan for cycleways across the country, and we will build and rebuild those vital connections to every part of the UK. Now, the overarching theme was very much one of uh, build back better. Um, and in particular, he referenced a, a, a project speed task force to be led by Chancellor Rishi Sunak. And the whole point of this will be to deliver those key projects faster, uh, because as we all know, things can often get bogged down in red tape. They can be approved in theory and, and, and then take years and years to actually get through the system, it seems sometimes. So he was very, very keen um, to cut that red tape and set out the biggest planning reforms uh, that the country has seen since the end of the Second World War. You'll find full details, of course, on that on the gov.uk website. But that's great news. It's something that, that TFN is really advocating for, again, as part of our economic recovery plan for the North, that we absolutely need to crack on and deliver these investment projects, which we know are going to have huge benefits for people and businesses across the North and, and just really need to get started. There are so many road and rail schemes, which are what's called uh, shovel ready, for want of uh, a better phrase, that really could get going quite quickly um, and will have that short term impact that we really need to, to boost the economy out of the other side of COVID-19, but lay the foundations for future growth for years to come as well. Now, the Prime Minister did announce uh, some key schemes and some uh, specific funding elements within the speech on Tuesday, including in that was £100 million 
this year for 29 road projects. Uh, 11 of those are in the north, including working on the A15 in the Humber region um, and several others as well, including a scheme in, uh, in Liverpool, in York, various other ones throughout the north. He also spoke about £10 million for development work to unblock the Manchester rail bottleneck around the Castlefield Corridor, which again is a well-known issue, has wide-reaching impacts on rail service right across the north um, and is something that, that TFN is, is very vocal about. And again, we absolutely welcome that, that money to, uh, to push that project forward and, and let's see that happen so that when people can get back on the rail network, uh, we can start to relieve those congestion issues and give people confidence in the reliability of the system. As well, there was also a lot of talk about investment in new homes. So 400 million from a brownfield land fund allocated to areas including Greater Manchester, West Yorkshire, Liverpool City Region, Sheffield City Region, and um, the north of Tyne and Tees Valley that will support around 24,000 new homes. And again, something that's been referenced previously, but the Prime Minister once, once more says the national infrastructure strategy will be laid out in the autumn. So again, TFN very much looking forward uh, to, to getting involved in that and ensuring that the needs of the North in terms of transport investment are, are right up there, get us at the front of the queue for a change. Of course, there was many more infrastructure uh, references within that speech, all about build, build, build. So also money for hospitals, schools, court facilities, um, and also references to, uh, again, the jet zero, net zero carbon and um, air targets as well. We've got some of our reaction on the website from that. So do go and take a look at that. And that is everything for this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, give us a shout, stay in touch. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you can get us at the website transportforthenorth.com. Make sure you scroll down to the bottom, put your email address in the little box that says sign up for our newsletter and we'll bring you the highlights in All Points North every week. Make sure you've subscribed to this podcast, whether you're on SoundCloud or whether you're on Spotify. Sign up for TFM Talks. Um, you can email us, you can call us, stay in touch, let us know uh, your thoughts on this. Give us a shout and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.